Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, as we continue our series in Daniel, and aren't we thankful that God rules in the kingdom of men? This is the theme of Daniel because this is what the people in Daniel's day needed more than anything else. The people of God needed to know that God ruled in the kingdom of men. He was raising up one kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, to bring judgment and then raising up another kingdom to allow Israel to be returned to their land. That's the Medo-Persian. And God was in control of all of the turbulence of the world. And he still is. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. The message today I want to speak to you, I've entitled Daniel's Thanksgiving Living. Daniel lived thanks. And the key verse is right here in verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees. And can you read the rest of that verse with me, please? Three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So here's what I pray God will get into our heart from his word. Three times a day. He prayed and gave thanks before his God. Three times a day. He prayed and gave thanks before his God. My question is, how did that affect the rest of his life? And that's what we want to study from this passage of scripture. Because Thanksgiving is something that we live out. It's like the smells of Thanksgiving. The smells of Thanksgiving are a beautiful thing, aren't they? When that turkey, that bird is cooking in the oven and its juices are dripping over that stuffing. I love stuffing when it's filled with the juices of the Thanksgiving turkey. That is the best stuffing. And the smells, it, it permeates the house. And the, the chocolate chip cookies are cooking in the Smith's house, I know for sure. And the pecan pie is there and the pumpkin pie is steaming on the countertop. And the casserole, the sweet potato pie is cooking there underneath the turkey. And the house really, really smells good, right? And that's what Thanksgiving does to somebody's life. It puts off the aroma of Christ for others to enjoy. So let's pray and ask God to help us to live out this Thanksgiving. Father, please work now in our lives. Thank you for Daniel's testimony and example for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I read the story of two men, and they were talking about individuals that had blessed their lives and had helped to mold and shape them. And one man said, well, I had a Sunday school teacher when I was a a boy and that Sunday school teacher really encouraged me and and helped me more than I can possibly even say. And his friend said, well, have you ever written a letter to that Sunday school teacher to to thank her for what she did for you? And he said, no, I, I haven't, because she's probably gotten so many letters. My letter wouldn't make any difference in her life. And so he went home that day, though, and he thought about it and he thought I should write my Sunday school teacher. So he sat down and he wrote her a letter and she responded and said, I can't tell you how much your letter meant to me. 
I'm in my 80s. I'm lonely. And it's like the last leaf of fall. I'm ready to die. And she says, I taught Sunday school for 50 years. And your letter is the first and only note of appreciation I have ever received. That note meant so much to her. It shows us that people do appreciate when they're thanked. And also we're slow to sometimes give that appreciation. But here we see Daniel three times a day prayed and gave thanks before his God. Do we forget to thank God every day? This was one of the great secrets of Daniel's success. You want to be a successful person? Be a thankful person. Amen? Isn't that a good way to be successful? Thank the people around you. Be thankful to God. Be a thankful person. Now, we preached on this one verse last week, and I just want to remind you of the highlights, what I said, that many Christians, most Christians, the majority of Christians don't read their Bible every day. How sad. We have this great love letter. If we're not reading the Bible, we're not giving God the right thanks that he deserves. Only 18% in one survey, it was said, of born-again Christians read their Bible every day. And we also said from this verse that Daniel was a man of deep devotion to God. His mind was convinced, even though he could suffer for what he did in praying that day. His backbone was firm. His eyes were focused on the Lord and on Jerusalem and his promises. His knees were bent before God. His schedule was consistent. But most of all, Daniel's heart was thankful. And I want us today to actually take that as our theme and then study the first 12 verses, 11, actually 11 verses of this chapter and see how thankfulness to God permeated Daniel's steps, his words, his attitudes, his actions. His life was one of thanksgiving living. And that's important for us, amen, as Christians. Live out thanks. That's what this verse actually says. Can you read this verse with me? It says, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So obviously our life is to be centered in the person of Jesus Christ, to do all in his name. But as we do as we do everything in his name, what are we to be doing while we're doing it? Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving isn't something we just say. It's something we live. That's what I get from that verse. And we can live that Thanksgiving out when we're living for Jesus' name. Because this is good. <laughs> this is a good thing. So Thanksgiving is to come out in our living and in all of our doing. And even as I looked up this word Thanksgiving, that's a good study for you. Take, a, take the word Thanksgiving and just look at the verses. Wow. You know what you'll find, especially in the Psalms, is many of the Psalms, the very first word or first verse of the Psalm begins with Thanksgiving because it's a starter. It's a primer to, to your day. It's a foundation for your life. Psalm 92 verse 1 is an example. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name and let everything else flow out of that. Psalm 105 verse 1, oh, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon his name. 
Let everything flow out of giving thanks. Psalm 106, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Do you know there's like 12 different words in the Hebrew language for thanks? <laughs> so if you have like a, not a strong concordance, but a young concordance, it breaks down all those different words. Very interesting. But I want us to see three important ways that Daniel fleshed out, lived out a thankful life where he lived out thanksgiving. And the benefits of that, living thanksgiving, and I don't want to make this selfish or about you, but you'll benefit. (laughs) You'll glorify God, but you'll be better off for it. (laughs) There's tremendous benefits in being a thankful person. I mean, we should be motivated to do it because this is good for all of us to be thankful. Daniel fleshed out this thanksgiving. I believe that this little phrase was fleshed out in his day-by-day life, that he gave thanks before God three times a day. So how did he live out the attitudes of thankfulness? In three ways. And the first way I want us to consider is he had an excellent spirit. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 of Daniel 6. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So I submit to you that Daniel was distinct by three times a day giving thanks to God. And that thankfulness that he did three times a day came out in his life to set him above the 120 princes and the two other presidents to be second under Darius in the Babylonian part of this great realm. He had an excellent spirit. The spirit, I believe, was his thanksgiving lived out. The excellent spirit was the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God in us as we walk in the Spirit, that's an excellent spirit, isn't it? The spirit of love and joy and peace. So when we read these words, an excellent spirit was in him. Just think of Daniel and his temperament, his personality. What what kind of a person is a person of an excellent spirit? So I, I just thought about that, and I thought of these three things that, First of all, there's a sweetness to his presence. Now, Daniel was a man of strength, of conviction. He was unbending when it came to walking with God. I think there was like a a sweetness about him, too. An excellent spirit. He wasn't hardened. He wasn't jaded. He wasn't cynical about life. He was in in his 80s. Some people say he was like in his mid-80s. But, man, he wasn't a grumpy old man. <laughs> you know, you can get old and get grumpy if, if you're not thankful. Daniel was a thankful man. So there was a sweetness in his presence. Second Corinthians, those verses talk about how we are to be the aroma of Christ, the Savior of Christ, that thankful spirit that we mentioned. I believe there was a gentleness to his strength. Daniel was a strong man, but the greatest strength, 
is a strength that is able to be gentle. I mean, it takes a lot of strength, for example, to move a piano. But if you say, we're going to just move this piano, let's just throw it out the window and, you know, get it out of here. No, it's not good. You're not going to have a piano left, right? You got to be strong to move a piano. You have to be gentle with the piano. So Daniel had this gentle strength. Paul had it, I believe. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Paul talked about the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Jesus had gentle strength, no doubt, when he said, come unto me. All ye that labor are in heavy laden, I will give you rest, for I am meek and lowly. But meekness and gentleness with strength, like gentleness, strength. I believe that's an excellent spirit. And the third thing is a kindness to his motives. I believe Daniel was a loving man, a compassionate man, kind in his temperament, in his attitude. Do you think Daniel, do you think an excellent spirit typifies a complaining person? Do you like to be around somebody who's just always complaining? Do you like that? He's like, oh, I got to get out of here. (laughs) That's not an excellent spirit. Thankfulness is being accepting to the situation. He wasn't angry. Do you think a An excellent spirit, sweet, gentle, kind, is an angry person. Just get angry at the flip of a, you know, the snap of a finger, just kind of go off the handle in anger. No. We need to be sweet, gentle, kind. Daniel had an excellent spirit. And he had for a long time. Even if you go back to Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. Remember when they were looking for somebody to read that writing on the wall? It was the queen who said in Daniel chapter 5, verse 12, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding was in Daniel. So he was a man of an excellent spirit. Now go back to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel illustrates his excellent spirit even back in Daniel chapter 2 when he was a young man. So now he's an old man. In Daniel 2, he was... Just getting going. He was young. But I see his sweetness, his gentleness, and his kindness there. How, in what way? Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had the dream. And he said, unless you wise men and magicians can tell me what the dream is and give me the interpretation, what's going to happen to you all? They're all going to die. Nebuchadnezzar was really fed up with these guys. He says, I'm tired of your lying and corrupt words in Daniel chapter 2, verse 9. So Daniel, of course, prayed. God gave him the dream and the interpretation. And so then Daniel goes in before the representative of the king. And in Daniel chapter 2, if you could look, please, at verse 24, notice his attitude. Therefore, Daniel went into, unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon, he went and said unto them, destroy not me. Is that what he said? He said, don't kill me. I got the dream. I don't want to die. Or did he say, don't kill my three friends because they're really important to me. Daniel didn't want to die. Daniel didn't want his three friends to die. But look at his attitude. What did he say? He said, destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Who did he love? He loved their souls too. He didn't agree with them. They were pagans. They didn't have his faith. But yet Daniel had a heart for them. 
And that's an excellent spirit. When you could open up your heart to people around you and also think about what they would be going through and how God could use you to save them. That's a man of an excellent spirit. That's the spirit of Jesus Christ. I put that verse, kindness to his motives, John 13, 1. That's as Jesus was going to the cross. And as he was going to the cross, he could have been thinking only about himself. But what did he do? He took a towel. <laughs> I like that. He took a towel. It says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Jesus loved his disciples so much he washed their feet at that chapter. An excellent spirit is in Jesus. So keep a thankful life and you won't be intoxicated by the things of this world. Now, before I go to the next point, I'm going to take a detour, but it's planned. You see that I even have a picture for it. Now, go back to Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, and I just want to bring out something about the history of this text because it is important. Because what's going on in, from Daniel chapter 5 and 6 is a great political movement from Babylon being in control of the world and the, the kingdom of Babylon being taken down and a new kingdom taking its place. So we have Babylon taken away with Belshazzar with the handwriting on the wall. And then we have the Medo-Persian Empire coming to replace it. And we see that at the end of chapter 5 and verse 30. Can you read there with me? It says, in that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. So the king of the Chaldeans is the Babylonians. And verse 31, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. Darius, and it says, and we'll see it again, he was the Median. He was of the Medo part of the Persian Empire. Now, why is this significant? Because many so-called scholars that don't believe in the authority and inspiration of the Bible say that this Darius here is a figment of our imagination. Many would say that Darius does not exist. He's not spoken about in the other uh, ancient texts, these Nabonidus chronicles or other ancient texts that give us the history of this period of time. And even the Bible says that it was Cyrus who was the king, the first king of this great kingdom, who allowed Israel to go back into the land and rebuild their temple. So how is Darius the king? Dr. John Whitcomb brings out this, or this attack against the Bible, and he says that Darius, many so-called scholars say, is just concocted out of a conglomeration of historical errors in the mind of an unknown writer in the second century BC. So, so you see what the attack against Daniel is it wasn't written by Daniel. It was written in the second century BC after a lot of this historical, these historical things took place and that Darius wasn't even a literal historical person. Now there's a good Hebrew word to uh, attack that and it's baloney. Darius was a historical person. Darius did, did live. Daniel did write the book of Daniel. So Dr. Whitcomb says, and others, now there's two main ways people go about this from a biblical perspective. Some say, because clearly in the Bible there's King Cyrus, and God knew about Cyrus, and God named Cyrus, 
before he was even born, that God was going to raise up Cyrus and allow Israel to go back into the land in Isaiah chapter 44 and 45. Some say that Darius and Cyrus are the same people. And they look at verse 28. You look there in Daniel chapter 6, verse 28. They look at this verse as evidence of that. Where it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 28, it says, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So some would say that Darius is just a title of leadership, kind of like Pharaoh, and that Darius is the same as Cyrus. They would read it like this. And so Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, even in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. In other words, that he's one and the same people. That's one way to go about it, but I don't believe that that's the best way. I believe the best way is to say that Cyrus and Darius are distinct people, and they both lived. So how, was, how were they both kings at the same time? Well, if you just take verse 28 for what it says, where it says, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius. And Darius we read in the end of chapter 5, was he a Persian or was he a Mede? He was a Mede. Daniel chapter 5, verse 28, Darius the Median. And here it says, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Ah, so I believe there are two different people. Darius was the Mede. Cyrus was the Persian. So here's what's actually going on. If you look here up at the map, here's the whole Medo-Persian Empire. And here's the Babylonian part of this empire. So when Babylon fell and they were taken over by the Medo-Persians, still you have this huge swath of land that was an empire in itself. So Cyrus was the true emperor and Darius was a subordinate to him, just the same way that Darius was considered a president. I'm sorry, that Daniel was considered a president. And there were three presidents with Daniel, but they were all under Darius. So this is how the kingdom was organized. So Cyrus would have been the, the emperor of this whole Medo-Persian empire, which extended even down into here and out into here. And then Darius was a sub-ruler of just the Babylonian part of that empire. And if you look at one more verse that brings this out, if you look in Daniel chapter 9, if you look there, please, in verse 1, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, so again, we see Darius was a Mede, which was made king, that's important, Darius was made the king by, I, I, I read in there, by Cyrus, and it says he was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So Darius did not rule the whole empire. He ruled the Chaldean part of the empire or the Babylonian part of the empire. Okay, so I just wanted to bring that out for us to have a better understanding of the history there. The second thing I want us to see about Daniel, though, getting back to his thankful life, not only did he have an excellent spirit, but he had a faultless integrity. Daniel was a man of integrity, and I, I do like that word. We ought to be, as people of God, people with integrity, honesty, dependability, 
character. And thankfulness weaves integrity and godly character into our life. If you are thankful to God, you will be weaving in integrity and honesty and dependability, a faultless integrity. Now, Daniel was a politician, and politicians are kind of known for having a drunken desire for power, almost being drunk for power, pursuing power. And then when a person is drunk for power, they become intoxicated with that success. Daniel was neither. But that was his culture. But he wasn't sucked into the corruption that often is a part of that whole system of earthly power. So it says in verse number four of Daniel six, it says, then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. So what kind of faults or errors do you think they looked for in him? Moral? Maybe they planted a, a woman there to see if he would be seduced and be an adulterer. Maybe financial. And they bribed him. They bought him. Maybe you know, the, you know, do you know the search engine that was very popular back in Daniel's day? They didn't have Google back then. Believe it or not, they, they, were, they survived without Google. But their search engine was Babel. So, you know, and, and they didn't have Facebook. I don't know how they live without Facebook, but Daniel didn't have Facebook. But they had Babelbook. That was their social media platform, Babelbook. So I, I bet you the, the leaders of Babelbook... And the search engine Babel came to, to Daniel and said, Daniel, we need you to censor the news that's going out there that, that the Jewish people may even be going back to Israel. We don't want that to be leaking all around the kingdom. So, Daniel, here, here's a million dollars if you'll help us censor this news. And you can label it fake news. <laughs> and you can have a million dollars. You say, did they really do that? I, you know, I'm just being a little kind of facetious, but this is what happens in politics. There's a lot of money, a lot of bribery. You know what they call bribery, right? You know, they, they call them lobbyists. <laughs> and it's actually legal, but it's, 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 it's so much corruption in this so-called lobbying and enriching of politicians. But no doubt, I, I would say... The, the Babylonian construction company came to Daniel and said, hey, Daniel, you know, there's a break in the wall and we can fix it. And if you hire our construction company here, here's a couple you know, thousand dollars on the side. That happens. Come on. That happens all over the place in local and state and federal political realms. There's all kinds of money flowing. And I believe they tried to get Daniel. It says, however they did it, whether it was his morals whether it was his ethics, whether it was his finances, it says they sought to find occasion against Daniel. And they were watching him. They were watching him, watching him, spying against him and lying against him to try to bring him down. So the leaders were watching Daniel. And look at these two verses. 
can you say them with me? Proverbs 15, 27, it says, He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. Now stop, just think about that verse. Hateth gifts? You mean you can't have celebrate Christmas? <laughs> That's not talking about giving gifts to your loved ones. It's talking about in a, in a political arena that you don't want leaders who are going to be accepting all of these gifts from other people because then they're going to be loyal to who? To the ones that gave the gifts and not to what's actually best for the whole, the whole realm of the citizens. And so if a leader is greedy of gain, he will trouble his own house and his own country. We have to be loyal to God and to do always what's right and to be people of integrity. But if you're just accepting gifts, it's really bribes is really what he's talking about. Accepting of bribes, then you're not going to be loyal to what's right and true. And the next verse, Proverbs 29, 4, the king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. Kind of the same thing. But here, the king by, and what's that word? The king by judgment. What does that speak of? Of true justice. Of, in other words, what is truly right. There is a right and there is a wrong. And if the king rules based on what is truly right, then he'll be loyal to the, to the right. But if he receives gifts, then he's loyal to the one who gives him the gifts. And it brings down the kingdom. He says it will actually overthrow the kingdom. So Daniel was a man of faultless integrity. He was being watched. And then they started working. They, 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 they've had to devise a plan because they're like, we can't get Daniel on anything. The only way we can get him is on. And read the verse with me in verse 5 of Daniel chapter 6. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. The only thing we can find on him is that he seeks after his God. Now, notice this next verse. It says, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto the king, King Darius, live forever. Now, that word assembled together in the marginal note of my Bible, it says they came tumultuously against him. They came like a, a wave of angry, jealous hateful men like a tumult against Daniel and they came to the king and what's the first word of verse 7 what's the first word of verse 7 of Daniel 6 what's the first word all you know you know what you could write next to that word lie <laughs> it said all the presidents now all the presidents would include who Daniel but Daniel wasn't a part of their plot. He was the he was the point man to destroy in their plot. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the councils, all the cattle, all, all of us, we've consulted together to establish this royal decree, to make a firm decree. Whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save him. You, O king, because you are so great, we don't need to talk to anyone else for any need. We could just come to you because you're our all in all, O king. Live forever. And whoever goes to any other king other than you, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So they started work against Daniel. This is what I call satanic unity. They were like 
together like glue. You know, the devil's people stick together. They came like a tumult against Daniel. Daniel was an outsider. He's not one of us. We've got to get him. Who's he to have all this power? So they spied, they lied, and with a deranged jealousy and hatred sticking together like glue, they pass a law specifically to destroy Daniel. That was the purpose of their law. Hmm. I kind of think things are happening like that over and over again in this whole world that we're living in because the devil is the devil. Well, they knew that Daniel was this man of integrity. They knew the only way to get him was to make loving God and seeking God a crime. Wow. Is your life like that? Do you, have, do you and I have that kind of integrity? The only thing they can say bad about you, you go to church. <laughs> the only thing bad they can say, you read your Bible. <laughs> the only thing bad, that you pray to God. Well, may it, may it happen. If that's, if that's the crime, I'm guilty. Amen? Daniel was a man of faultless integrity. I believe this faultless integrity was woven into his life by his time of devotion with God, of thanking God and praying. Now, there was a man in the Bible. He was very, he's a greedy guy. He's a schemer. He was a cheat. He was a conniver. And he wanted to steal the blessing from his brother. Who am I talking about? Jacob. And what does his name mean again? Deceiver, right? Yeah, he was a deceiver. And so he was this conniving man, a deceiving man, and I believe that shows he was discontent. What cured Jacob? What changed him? He wrestled with Jesus Christ, that wrestling match. And, and, and the Lord said to Jacob, let me go. It's almost morning time. And Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you what? Remember what he said? Unless you bless me, I won't let you go. And the Lord blessed Jacob. In other words, Jacob didn't, he didn't have to scheme to get the blessing from man. He wrestled with the Lord to get the blessing straight from him. And in a sense, that's what Daniel did three times a day. He got on his knees and he wrestled with God and he gave thanks to God and God blessed Daniel. And so later on, when Jacob would meet his brother Esau and Esau said, here, here's a lot of flocks here. Take all this, you know. And Jacob said, I have enough. <laughs> that scheming, conniving man said, I have enough. I'm content. He was content because he had the Lord. When you have the Lord, you have enough. And that's what Daniel has. That's why he's a man of faultless integrity. And the third thing is, he's a man of courageous obedience. Daniel chooses courage over comfort. He chooses what's right over what's fast. And when he knows this writing is signed, and that if he prays, he could be thrown into the den of lion, he chooses obedience. It just shows courage. So the point again is, when you live a life of thanks to God, and it's, you're living it, I believe that will lead us to live obediently, and if need be, we'll be courageous to stand, even if there are repercussions of our obedience. Daniel was unshakable in his spirit. 
There's a calmness, an unshakable calmness, I say, about Daniel in verse 10. When he knew the writing was signed, he just goes about his business, doesn't he? Isn't that beautiful? He went into his house and his windows being open. He he could have said, today I'm going to close the windows. I'll just close them for 30 days, you know. I mean, God will understand. God, God would understand, right? God would hear his prayers if he closed the windows. And then, but he didn't close the windows. He opened them toward Jerusalem. And then it says he kneeled upon his knees. Daniel could have said, you know, I'm a busy guy. I don't really have time to kneel three times a day. I'll just stand here real fast for about 15 seconds and then I'll be, I'll be gone. No, he got down on his knees. You know, getting on our knees, God will hear you if you're not on your knees. We talked about it last week. But getting on our knees is a posture of real reverence and humility before God. And I believe it's a good place to get when we really, when we have the time to do it and make the time to do it and reverence, reverently worship God and just put, block everything out. He got on his knees. And then it says three times a day he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. There was an unshakable calmness. Daniel could have said, I'm going to close the windows. I'll just stand here and I'll just pray to myself. God will hear me. God will hear me. But he doesn't do that. I I just think that's amazing. He doesn't want to give up his freedoms. And he's not ashamed to publicly worship God. And I I really believe this, too, that Daniel couldn't go to church. You know, he couldn't go to synagogue. He couldn't go to a temple. There was no way for him to publicly express his faith. This was the way he did it. This is the way we are doing it. So Daniel's unshakable calmness. But then. He was consistent in it. He wasn't up and down and up and down and pray for three days and don't pray for three weeks. <laughs> I go to church. I go. Oh, I went to church two Sundays in a row, man. I'm good for the next month. <laughs> you know, go to church once and then stay out and then read your Bible today and then not read it for, you know, a week. Listen, we need to be consistent. Now, just think of Daniel. He was the number one president under King Darius. Heavy responsibility. Some of you have heavy responsibilities. I know that you do. With family and work and school and all the other things we're trying to balance. Man, life is a balancing act. And it's tough sometimes. I know that. Daniel had heavy responsibility and pressure. But he showed great discipline to meet the moment. So we have to show greater discipline when there's greater responsibility. When there's, when there's great pressure, we need to have great discipline at that time. So Daniel's discipline, his conviction, his submission to God met the moment. Things were changing around him. The laws were changing. But Daniel says, I'm not changing So whatever changes come about, I'm not changing. I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to put the Lord first. And you know what? Everything will be fine. If you just serve the Lord, everything everything will be fine. Just put the Lord first. So danger was blowing, man, all around Daniel. But there was a courageous obedience. So how many of you would say, you know, I would like an excellent spirit. Isn't that good? Don't you want to ex- I want to have an excellent spirit. I, I, I don't want I don't know what kind of person I am sometimes, you know, 
we, we, we all don't see ourselves the way you don't see me the way I see myself. You know, I see myself in, in another kind of way, but you see me as our more. I am, you know, sad to say, so I'm sorry, but I want to have an excellent spirit. Don't you? I know you do. And some of you, you're beautiful, beautiful people. Let's be people of that excellent spirit. Let's be people of integrity. This world is watching us. They're wa- we're waiting to see. Oh, I used to know what you used to do. Now you say you're a Christian. I want to see what's gonna, what you're really going to do. Because once we step out of line, they'll be the first ones to tell us. And then we need to be people of cour- cour- courageous obedience. So Martin Rinkart, he was a pastor during a terrible period of time in Europe, during the 30 years war. It was from 1618 to 1648. During this period of time, there was war. And back in that day, there wasn't the medical and medicinal things that we have today. So there was plague. There was pestilence. They said up to half of the population of Europe died. Over 5 million, which was almost half the population of Europe died, including his wife. So he had been called to Germany to be a pastor And at one point in his ministry, he was doing 40 to 50 funerals every day. Or for for 40 or 50 people every day. Not um, You don't have time for 40 funerals. I'm sure they had to combine them. But devastating. All the pastors except Rinkart either died or left. So pretty much he was alone to perform many of these funerals for the multitudes of people that were dying every day. When the siege of war finally ended and peace came, he wrote a hymn. He wrote a song. And you know what his song was? Now thank we all our God. Thanksgiving came out of his life, even during this time of terrible plague and pestilence. So here we are, living through this. But let us not allow any pandemic to take away our thanks to God. Amen. Let's stand together as we pray. And then I'd like for us to sing this song, the first and third stanzas of Now Thank We All Our God as we close today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave thanks to your Father as you were heading to the cross. And you gave thanks when you broke that bread, knowing that your body was going to be beaten. And that broken bread represented your beaten, broken body. But you gave thanks. And Lord Jesus, when you took that cup, you knew that that cup represented your blood that was going to be shed. And that you were going to be crowned with thorns and whipped with that cat of nine tails and punctured. So that the blood would flow from your side. And yet you gave thanks. Lord, teach us to give thanks to you no matter what the circumstances for you are worthy. And so, Lord, give us this excellent spirit, a spirit in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be people of faultless integrity. Give us integrity. Give us honesty. Give us moral courage. In a day of such immorality and fornication and adultery. Oh God, help us to be pure in this sinful world. 
and help us to be courageous, to follow you, seek you no matter what. As the psalmist said, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. God, help us to have a soul thirst for you and to come before you and give thanks to you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.